0: What do you think of when you think of Jesus? You say, well, I think he's the son of God. He's the savior. He's the one who loves us and died for us. And some of the songs we sang in the first service, I thought were out. I mean, they're outstanding. They were incredible. They were so good. is the, the one uh, who died and rose again for us. When we think about worship, we say, what is worship? Worship is responding to God. That's what worship is. A lot of times people say, I like the worship and I like the teaching. They think worship's the music and the teaching is the other part. Worship is responding to God, who He is and what He's done. Who is He? He's the eternal Son of God. What did He do? He died and rose again for us. So this Easter morning, when we're thinking about the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we're going to look at that. And we'll go through this. I I really don't even know how long this will take. And when we get through, we'll just go straight on to the grow groups. We could be a short one, but I just want you to think about it. We're going to look at the death and resurrection of Christ. We'll look at it very shortly, you know, briefly. And then the contrast between resuscitation and resurrection. They're two different things. And then we're going to look at the order of resurrection and then the basis for eternal life. So there's a lot in this, even though it's not very long. So let's start with the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I put Genesis 3.15, and you might think, Genesis 3.15, why Genesis 3.15? Because if you realize, that's the promise. All the way back when Adam and Eve sinned, and the promise to God, uh, that God said that the seed of woman would crush the head of the serpent, that the Messiah would come someday, a seed of woman coming all the way through would be the one to crush the serpent. This is right after the serpent tricked them and, and lied to them, and they failed. And so he says, there's going to be a promise, a Messiah is coming. We saw that, He's going to crush the serpent, but the serpent is going to bruise his bruise him. And so we think, what is that? Well, at best we can say, well, that's a foreshadow of Jesus dying on the cross to pay for sin. But he's going to have victory and 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 do all of that. So when you think about it, uh, even going all the way back, God's plan is the Messiah would come and die and rise again. Conquering death, paying for sin and conquering death. And you look throughout the whole Bible, good gracious, every time you see some kind of sacrifice, every time you see something, there are really foreshadows of what Jesus would do for us. But I wanted you to think about something. It ties in, uh, because when we talk about Easter, at the same time, very similar. Usually the calendars are a little bit different, but the Jewish calendar and our calendar is a little different. And we think of Passover. And Passover ties in basically to what, what we're talking about is Easter. And uh, Jesus died and rose again. Jewish people were in Egypt. They came out. So I want you to think about this. Uh, there's a foreshadow there of pa- when when you think of Passover. And if you remember, Jewish people were in Egypt. God wanted them to come out. So God said to do this. He did all the plagues, but the last one was this. Take a lamb, kill the lamb, put the blood on the door. When when the angel of death passes through Egypt, when he sees the blood on the door, he will pass over your house That night, they killed the lamb, that's the death. Blood was shed, blood on the door. Middle of the night, basically, uh, the angel of death came through, and all the firstborn died except the people who had the blood. So that's Passover. But if you know Jewish calendar that God set up, and he said on the 14th day of the first month is Passover. 15th through 21st, the next seven days will be a thing called unleavened bread. In the middle of that week, whenever there is the first Sunday, the first day of the week after Passover, it's called Firstfruits, which is symbolic of the first fruit coming up out of the ground. So I want you to understand when you think about it, on the 14th day of the month of Nisan, there's Passover. The lamb was slain, there was death, there was victory over death. Then on the Sunday after Passover, it's first fruits. That's what it was called, first fruits, first from the ground. It was symbolic of resurrection. Now, I want you to think about something. What day did Jesus Christ die on? What day did Jesus Christ die on? Passover. Not, not Friday. He didn't die on Friday, by the way. But uh, 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 We'll talk more about that maybe at another time. But he died on Passover. Because, see, Passover could be any day of the week, right? And I think Passover was actually on a Jewish calendar would be a Wednesday. It would be our Tuesday night and a Wednesday day when Jesus died. But we'll talk about this some other time. Anyway, Jesus died on what day? Jesus died on Passover. What day did Jesus rise from the grave? On first fruits first fruits was the first sunday after passover okay and so first fruits represent the resurrection jesus christ rose from the grave on what day on the first day of the week what's the first day of the week sunday it was called first fruits so i want you to understand something why did jesus why did jesus die he died as our passover lamb to pay for sin why did he rise he rose as our first fruits to conquer death and so, when you look at history and you go back and you see all of the feasts that God gave to the Jewish people in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, Leviticus 23 gives all the feasts. Deuteronomy gives the feast again, talks about them. He says, 14th day is this, 15th through 21st is this. First fruits is on that Sunday after Passover. And that's called first fruits. So, there were three feasts right there in one week Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits. Jesus died on Passover, which is symbolic of death, the death of the Lamb. He rose on first fruits, which is symbolic of resurrection. Now let me just say one thing, and this bothers some people, so I've got to make sure you understand it. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ does not bring salvation. Salvation comes by faith. Jesus died on the cross to pay for sin and rose again, so he's provided a way of salvation, but salvation doesn't come from the death and resurrection of Christ because Jesus died for who? Everybody. And he rose for who? Everybody. So the death and resurrection of Christ doesn't save you. You're saved by what? By grace you have been saved through faith. So just remember that. Don't get confused because people say, if you just believe Jesus died and rose again, you have eternal life. No, no. You must trust in Jesus Christ to give you eternal life. You can say, I believe that he died and rose again. And because he died and rose again, I can now trust him to give me eternal life. So be careful, because that, that's a little technical thing, but it's, it's true. And I've had people say, all you do is just believe in the death and resurrection of Christ. No, you believe in Jesus Christ, who died and rose again. That's a little bit different. So I just want you to understand that. Here's the second thing, and I want you to talk about the contrast between resuscitation and resurrection. Let's talk about, for a second, resuscitation. Resuscitation is that you die, and then you live again, and you die again, right? Okay, so if you think of Lazarus, you remember Lazarus? He was uh, Ma- uh, Martha and Mary's brother, and he died. And Jesus got there; he'd been dead four days. So he lived, and then he died. And Jesus raised him from the grave. He said, "Come forth," and he came out. But Lazarus died again. I mean, he didn't live forever, right? And he didn't send to heaven, as far as we know. And then you remember the little twelve-year-old girl that, that he came and said, "My daughter's right at death. Hurry!" And so he's on the way there, but he gets all held up and everything. And the little woman who had who had been had a Issue of blood for 12 years and everything stops. And they finally come to the guy and say, don't bother him anymore. Your, little da- your daughter died. And he, and he went on. Oh. And Jesus said, don't worry about it. We're going to be there for you. You know what? They got there, raised her from the dead. They came and, and did she die again? Yes, she did. It's called resuscitation. The widow at Nain, a city called Nain, there was a widow. Her only son died. She had no husband because she's a widow. They're coming out with his body, all sad. And Jesus comes in, stops the group, touches the guy, he sits up, hands her back. Okay, now that man lived, he died and he lived, but he lived to die again. Do you remember that strange passage in the Gospel of Matthew when Jesus died on the cross? It said the day that he died on the cross, graves were open. And it says, and some people came out of their graves after Jesus came out of his grave. But it, it... We don't know what happened to those people. Either they live forever on this earth, and they're still there, and they're saying, you know, we're 2,000-something years old, or they somehow ascended to heaven, or they died again, and it was resuscitation. So I just want you to understand resuscitation is that you die, and then you live again, and then you die again. Now, resurrection is you die, and you live again to never die again. That's the difference. And notice this. Resuscitation, when you die... And then you live, again, you live in the same, you have the same body. You have the same body that's going to wear out and die. But resurrection, when you're resurrected, you have a new body, a different body, a body that will never decay. So uh, when we start thinking about it, there are a number of people in the scripture that were raised from the dead. That's resuscitation. And when we start talking about resurrection, when we start saying, well, who... Who who was resurrected? Who was the first to be resurrected? Well, talk about that because that's when we talk about the order of resurrection, the order of resurrection. And you're in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15. Look at uh, basically, uh, go back to verse 20. It says, Now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. Now Christ is raised, and he says, He's the first one. Remember, first fruits, He's the first fruits of those. What what day did He rise from the grave? On first fruits. See, Paul. He said, in one of the places that Christ, our Passover, has been sacrificed for us. So Paul is saying, Jesus died on Passover. Then he writes here, Christ has been raised from the dead. Our firstfruits has been raised. So Paul said, Jesus died on Passover, and Jesus rose on firstfruits. So he just wants people to understand how that fit together. He says, for since by man, that's Adam, came death, by man came resurrection of the dead. That's Jesus. It, for in Adam all die. They do. They all die. In Christ, all will be made alive. Now, just remember that. All will be made alive, not just believers. I've had people say to me, well, what happens to unbelievers? Because believers are going to be raised from the dead. What happens to unbelievers? They're going to be raised from the dead. Because Jesus, what? Conquered death. Notice this. For in Adam all die, so in Christ all, not some... All will be made alive. Now, look at verse 23. In fact, let me put this up here. In Adam all die, in Christ all will be alive. You know, why, why will all people be alive? Because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. In him is life. Listen, he is the life giver. He, first of all, he takes a person in the mother's womb, gives them life, creates them, they're born, and they come into this world. And when they believe in him, he gives them eternal life. He is the life giver. That's who Jesus is. And so, in Adam all die, but in Christ all are made alive. Why? Because he's the resurrection and the life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Notice the verse goes on to say, For as in Adam all die, so Christ all been made alive, verse 23, but each in his own order. Now, wait a minute. What does that mean? That means there's an order. There's an order of resurrection. We've already seen that there were people who died and came back to life, but that wasn't resurrection. That was what? That was resuscitation. There are people like Lazarus and the little 12 year old girl and the widow with son at Nain and, and uh, the man that, that, they, that died and they threw him in the grave and he fell on Elisha's bones and he came back to life. Okay? That's not resurrection. That's resuscitation. And so it says that each one in their own order. Now, what is the order? What is the order? We're going to see that it's Christ first, and then those at his coming so let's think about it because now this is written to believers so watch this he says but each in his own order christ the first fruits and after that those who christ add his coming christ is the first fruits he's the first one so if you wanted to say who was the first one ever to rise again to be resurrected not to be resuscitated but to be resurrected who is that That's Jesus. He's the first one to die and rise again, never to die again, to have a a different body in in a sense that the body is a glorified body. And it's those at his coming. So there's an order. Christ is the first one to rise. That's the first fruits. That's who he is. And then those at his coming. Now, I want you to think about his coming. When he's coming, when this is written, Jesus already came the first time to the earth. So he's talking about his comings. There are two other comings. What are they? The coming in the clouds, and then the coming to the earth. So he says, he's the first fruit, and then after that, those who are at his comings. Well, let's talk about it. In the air. He's going to come in the air, right? And the dead in Christ will rise first, and we who are alive and remain to be caught up together with him, thus we'll meet him in the clouds. That's what? That's a resurrection People who have already died and their bodies are in the grave, they're with Jesus. When he comes to get us, their bodies will be raised. That's resurrection. That's not resuscitation. That's resurrection. They're never going to die again. Their bodies will be raised. We who are alive, which is really unusual, alive, and we're going to be changed. We won't ever even die physically. We'll be changed in a moment, a twinkle of an eye, and we'll be taken up with him. That's, that's who's next. Because see, what's the next event to come? The rapture, it could happen at any second. We keep thinking it's getting closer all the time, right? And so we know that Jesus is the first one. So 2,000 years ago, Jesus rose from the grave. That's the first one to rise. Sometime in the near future, Jesus is going to come in the clouds, and we, the church, the body of Christ, we're going to be raised dead in Christ first. We are alive and remain. Then do the, when he comes a second time to the earth, the Old Testament saints, he comes the second. To, he's going to raise all the Old Testament believers. Daniel chapter 12, verse 2 says, that his coming, they'll be raised from the dead. So let me put the little chart up. If you remember, here's Jesus. That's his death and what? resurrection. So that's the first one. Then, and he comes in the clouds, the dead in Christ arise rise first. We who are alive and remain to be caught up together with. That's the second part. That's, that's the, his coming. And then when he comes a second time to set up the kingdom, the Old Testament believers who died, their bodies are in the ground. They're with the Lord. As he comes back to set up the kingdom, their bodies are raised. That's Daniel chapter 12, verse 2. So for believers the resurrection of believers not resuscitation resurrection Jesus first church second the old testament saints third to go into the kingdom that's the order and that's why Paul only talks about the believers because he's writing to the church and he says Christ the first fruit of that, that those are Christ at his comings and his comings will be right here and right there now What happens at the end? If you would, just flip over. If you want to flip over to Revelation 20, you can if you just don't want to. I'm going to read it anyway. Revelation chapter 20, verse 6 says, Blessed and holy is the one who has part in the first resurrection. This is the first resurrection. Part 1, part 2, part 3. In the first resurrection, which is the resurrection of believers, Jesus is first, church is second, The Old Testament saints are third. He says, blessed and holy is the one who has part in the first resurrection. Over these, the second death has no power. Why? Why does the second death have no power? Because you're alive forever. You have eternal life. You can't have death if you have eternal life, right? All right, so you have eternal life. And he says, the the, uh, second death has no power. They will be priests and of God and Christ, and they will reign for, with Him for how long? Thousand years. Okay, then after that, after that thousand years, all people will be raised. I'm going to wait for a second to change the thing, but at the great white throne judgment, death and Hades, unbelievers are raised. What kind of bodies? Glorified? They've got bodies that will last for. This is resurrection. They're going to be raised from the dead. It says death and Hades gave up their dead. So they're going to be raised, and then they're going to be cast where? Into the lake of fire. So one thing you have to remember is in the first resurrection is Christ, the church, Old Testament saints. Then there's the second death, which is after the thousand-year reign of Christ. We, you all want to, be, you want to be in the first resurrection, okay? If anybody questions it, say, just be in the first resurrection, because that's what you want to be in. And, of course, Christ first us second, Old Testament saints third. You do not want to be in the second, and sometimes it's called second resurrection because it takes place after the thousand years, but the Bible calls it the second death. All people will be raised. Why? Because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Listen, a lot of people don't grasp this, but unbelievers, a person who says, I do not believe, I reject, they die, their body goes in the ground, they go to a place called the heart of the earth, the Old Testament calls it Sheol, the New Testament calls it Hades, they are there. One day, they will be raised up, their bodies will be raised up, and they will stand before the great white throne judgment. If their name is not found written in the book of life, and it's not because they're not believers, they'll be cast in the lake of fire. Now, they have a body that what? It's going to last forever. That's what resurrection is. By the way, let me make sure you got it. Resurrection is always resurrection of the body. When somebody says resurrection, it's not a spirit thing like a like a spirit being just floating around. Some people want to say ghost and all that. Resurrection is always referring to a body. And so every human being will be raised from the dead. And so as we think about this, this is the basis. The whole idea is the basis for eternal life. Why? Because Jesus is the savior of the world. Get this because you got to grasp this. He is the savior of the world. He is the one who died and paid for sin. Who sins? Everyone. He is the one who rose to conquer death. Whose death? Everyone. Now just grasp this. When Jesus died on the cross and paid for sin and rose again, he did that for every person. A person could say, I believe Jesus died for my sin and I believe he rose again. But that doesn't mean they're trusting in him to give them what? Eternal life. Just to say, I believe he died and rose again is not salvation. Now, there are a lot of people who say, you need to believe that Jesus died and rose again and you're saved. You need to believe that it is Jesus. You're trusting in Jesus to give you eternal life because he is the one who died and rose again because everybody, sin is paid for and everybody is going to exist forever. I don't say live forever. Living forever is eternal life. Dying forever is the second death. So everybody's going to exist forever, some with Jesus Christ, some not with Jesus Christ. And so when we think about it, we believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life. Now, let me show you this, because we've talked about this many, many, many times, but you've you got to grasp it. There is a message. Our message is that Jesus died on the cross to pay for the sins of the world and rose again to conquer death. That's for everybody. The response, though, is to believe in him, and the offer is you believe in him for what? Eternal Life. Now, you might say, well, you put it a little bit funny, message, response, and offer. It's because John 3.16 says, God so loved the world, that's us, that he gave his son, gave him what? To die and rise again, that whosoever would believe, there's the response, would never perish but have everlasting life. That's the offer. So when we think about the basis for salvation or the basis for eternal life, the basis to spend eternity with Jesus, its its you have to have the death and resurrection, the death to pay for sin and the resurrection to conquer death, but that doesn't save you. Salvation comes, the response is to believe. We believe in him for eternal life. That's why it's so important that you just go back to the basics of John 3.16. It is such a powerful verse that you don't have to know 27 verses to be able to share your faith. You can just say, here's our message, here's the response, here's the offer. And you can tell anyone if they will believe in him, they will have what? Eternal life. So on this great resurrection day, that's what we think about. So let me give you let me give you just a few quick applications. The first one is we must thank God for the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He became a person that he could die for us. He's the satisfactory payment not for our sins only, but for the sins of entire world. That's everybody. And then he rose from the grave to conquer death in Adam all die in Christ. All will be made alive. So listen, you got to understand the death and resurrection Jesus Christ took care of everyone in the sense that he paid for everybody's sins and he's going to bring everybody back uh, from from the grave. That's what's going to happen. He's done it all. Second is just remember that Jesus promises all who believe in him will have eternal life. And that's why if you don't want to get all worried about how to share your faith and, and what is, are what is all the different ways, the bad news, the good news, the testimony, uh, you know, all of that, just you, most everybody, and when I say most everybody, I'm talking about all our people, know John three sixteen. I know a lot of people now do not know it. There are a lot of people who don't grow up in church at all. They don't know any of this, but we do. Just go to that one verse and you can do it. And then just remember, let's understand the message, the response And the offer. The message is that Jesus Jesus died and rose again. His death and resurrection. The response is to believe in Jesus. That's faith in him. And the offer is that whoever believes in him will never perish but have everlasting life. So on this great day, when we think about death and resurrection, we realize Jesus died for everybody. Jesus rose for everybody, and he has a gift. And the gift is an offer to anyone who will believe. They will have the gift of eternal life. Isn't that that simple and great? That's the story. That's the story of the Bible. The story of the Bible is how the perfect God brings sinful man back to himself using his son, Jesus Christ. So what did Jesus do? He died and rose again, and he offers the gift of eternal life to all who simply believe. Wow. Good stuff. Any, any, let's do this for a second. Any questions, comments, input before we break? I know sometimes the bigger group, nobody wants to say anything. But does anybody anybody want to say anything? Better be right. No, I'm just kidding. No. What, who, who's got the hand up? Oh, hey, Sky. Okay, all right. Nothing hard, Sky. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, she's got to ask a tremendous question. She said, unbelievers are raised at the end of the 1,000 years. That's right, at the great white throne judgment. What about the people who are born? because they're going to be people who enter the 1,000-year reign of Christ with regular bodies, and they will produce offspring, and there will be a rebellion at the end. So her question is, what about them? What about people who might die during the 1,000 years? What about people who people who are unbelievers who are killed at the end of the thousand years, we know that they'll be raised at the great white throne judgment. He does not tell us anywhere in the Scripture what happens to people who are born and believed during the thousand years, what happens to the people who go into the thousand-year reign with regular bodies. Somehow he's got to change them to have glorified bodies to last for all eternity. The only thing I can see is that at the great white throne judgment, it says this, if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, they're cast the lake of fire. It gives an idea that maybe some people who stand at the great white throne judgment are believers, and they are. They do have eternal life, and maybe they're changed then. It doesn't say. We all, Most people always teach that the great white throne judgment is only for believers, but I, I, I don't think it's only for believers. Because he doesn't say nobody was found in the book of life. He says if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, they're cast in the lake of fire. So the only thing I, I figure is he didn't give us any revelation on what happens to those during the thousand years, what happens to those who died during the thousand years. Some people even say that if a person died during the thousand years, they're immediately raised, if they're a believer, right then to continue on. But there's no basis for that. And there are people with all kinds of speculations. I know a person that believes that if you were a baby or a child who dies now, before you reach the age of accountability, you are raised and you live in a regular body during the thousand years. Now, I always say to him, where did you get that? Because I don't see it anywhere. But it's a speculation. So all we're doing now is speculating since he didn't give us... God didn't give us any revelation on what happens to those people. So, sky, I don't know. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Okay. So the uh, unbelievers will get a new body. Uh It's not a glorified body. Well, what is a glorified body? Well, no, no. a, A perfect body would be... I don't know if anybody... In here has a perfect body. Uh, Okay, a glorified body ultimately is a body that never decays. So we don't, you know, people say things, what will we look like? Well, you know, immediately Peter, James, and John knew that it was Moses and Elijah when they saw him on the mountain. They knew it was Moses. I don't think they had name tags. I mean, you know what I'm saying? So I think they knew it was Moses and Elijah. So I think we'll know everybody. We'll be able to look at everybody. That means we have to... Look like we look now, I think. And, even, and, and there'll be people we know that we didn't even know. We'll just say, I know them. So I don't think a glorified body means a perfect body. I think a glorified body means a body that will never decay or wear out. It's a body that'll last forever. Even have that. they, I think unbelievers have bodies that last forever because where are they going to be? They're going to be in the lake of fire. And, and if you get the, the warm-up to the lake of fire, which is which is the, the heart of the earth. If you remember, in Luke 16, there is a place in the heart of the earth. One side was called paradise. The other side didn't really have a name, but we all just call it torments. And there's, there's a big gulf in between, and they can't pass. And that rich man is hollering at Abraham and saying, send that guy named Lazarus, which is a different Lazarus, come over and touch his what? His tongue. He's, obviously, he's got some kind of body or some kind of something there, and he's suffering. Now, let me just throw something out that, that some people say, you know, when you, you, you get thrown in the lake of fire, and so it's so horrible, you, you can't, you know, well, uh, that, the, the rich man's talking, right? I mean, it's not so horrible that he can't talk. So I'm, I'm wondering, I'd, I'd say I don't, ever, I don't understand it. I don't understand how someone could be in a lake of fire, tormented for all eternity. I, I don't grasp it. I also have a little trouble. I, I don't have a. I, I can grasp keeping on going on forever. I mean, I because that's what I want to do. You know, I can grasp that a little bit. I just can't grasp the eternal punishment. I can grasp eternal life. So they, I think the people who are in the lake of fire have a body that will not wear out. They probably wish it would. That's why some people are what they call a They want they want to say that when a person rejects Christ. And they die, they're burned up, and they don't exist anymore. But the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says they're tormented forever and ever. So I just had to go with the Bible. I know that a lot of us would say it would seem like it would be better just to burn them all up. But, you know, God knows what's best, and we're limited. He says, My ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. And so quit trying to figure out what's the best, because I know what's best. And so, good stuff.